Amen. I didn't realize we were already on the last verse there. I love that song. I wanted to keep singing it, but hey, uh, all good things, I guess, must come to end sometime, right? Except heaven. Heaven is not going to be coming to an end anytime, and uh, that's always great to think about. Uh, It's good to have each and every one of you this morning here. Uh, I do want to say, before we jump into the book of Galatians, uh, I do want to say that it's great to have uh, Brother Larry um, here this morning. He, on Monday, had a procedure done for his eyes. We prayed about it last week, and everything went smooth. If, uh, if, if he comes and says, hi, I'm Larry, it's because he couldn't see you last week, okay? He was barely, it was very fuzzy, but now it's, now it's clear. And, uh, but honestly, it is, it's a blessing. We've been praying all week for him, and it's good that he's, uh, he's recovering uh, quickly from the procedure that he had done on his eyes, and uh, let me know that it is making quite a bit of difference, and, and that's always a blessing. Uh, also, I do want to just say that uh, there's quite a few families out this morning uh, battling COVID, and uh, just want to be praying uh, for them. Uh, and I know there's quite a few in the Spanish service as well, and uh, it's something that's just I guess we're in that season right now uh, where it's going, going around, and, uh, and so they're not able to be here, but to be praying for those that are battling COVID, that uh, the good thing is it's, it doesn't seem to be as strong as the strain was you know, a couple years ago, but it's still no picnic, all right? Those that are, are going through, it's still not fun, headaches, some get fevers and things like that, so let's just be praying that the Lord will uh, restore their health quickly and that they can be back with us in in the services next week. Galatians chapter number four, we have been studying this book chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we've been learning a little bit about the message that that Paul had for the church at Galatia, and, and it was a message to really have some clarity on what the message of the gospel is and what it does. He, uh, Paul was being criticized by uh, the Judaizers, these false teachers, claiming that he wasn't an apostle. And in chapter 1, he deals with that. In chapter 2 and 3, uh, he really goes into laying a foundation for us about what the gospel is and what the gospel does for us. And in fact, last week, uh, we, we started chapter 4, and the two main uh, messages were between what is a mature believer and an immature believer. And being an heir of God meant that we are mature believers. We are sons that uh, are adults and now can make decisions. Uh, and and uh, Paul kind of plays on the idea of there's the children, the immature uh, heir that is not of age yet to take that responsibility of, of making decisions and, and moving forward. But as heirs of God, as we are through Christ, then we have that full maturity. We don't have to go through the law. We don't have to keep the law to to reach a certain maturity. That maturity is given to us through Christ. And we learned about that last week. So this week, we're going to go into verse number eight now of Galatians 4. And you're going to see as Paul now begins to give a passionate plea. He's laid the foundation Uh, throughout chapters 1, 2, and 3, and really the beginning of 4, of what the gospel message has done for us. It's changed our legal standing. It's transformed our lives, our experience of who God is. Uh, In the beginning of chapter 3, he really challenges them and reminds them of the experience that they had that had changed. And, uh, and then their identity, the identity markers at the end of chapter 3, uh, that the gospel has changed in, uh, in those that have received Christ. And then, uh, like I said, errors, making us errors. So he's, he's laid all this foundational work 
of what the gospel does for us. And now he's starting to transition and say, now what does that mean for you? If you understand that you are an heir, that you are uh, someone that is identified now as a son of God, as, as someone that has been transformed, as someone that has a different and right legal standing before God, you have God's favor in your life, what does that mean then? How does that, how does that make a difference in our life? And, and Paul begins to give a passionate plea to the Galatians because the way that they were living was not reflecting the gospel message in them. What they were doing going back and listening to these Judaizers and trying to make the Ten Commandments what makes them mature and makes them spiritual and makes God's favor in their life, he's saying, you're going backwards, there's something wrong here. And so uh, once you get in verse number eight, he begins now to, to teach why it makes a difference. So notice what it says, uh, Galatians 4, verse number eight, how be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after the, ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. For I am as ye are, ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how through infirmity of flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Wherein or where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So what is Paul getting to in this plea? Well, this morning, that's what we want to we talk about because here's the reality. The gospel uh, is to lead us into a life of freedom in Christ and not a life of religion in Christ. And we've taught a lot about this. We have really learned in this book the difference between religion in Christ and a relationship with Christ. And the gospel actually leads us into a relationship with Christ. Because of that, Paul says you're an heir. You're, you're to act as a mature son of God, not to act in immaturity, but in maturity. And a mature child is one that is growing, okay? One that has reached the age of responsibility and continues to grow in that responsibility. Now, it's important that we understand this concept. This is why Paul is pleading for them. This is why this matters, this is why it should matter to you uh, that you're a mature Christian, that you're an heir of God, all right? So we're going to study that this morning, but there's something I came across that I think goes, goes with this hand in hand. I was, I was reading a, a blog by bplans.com, uh, and it's a website that kind of talks about how to have a successful business and how to grow your business, but it was an interesting article because the article was, was talking about a business plan of growth. And, uh, and the author said, you, you got to have to be able to tell three different stories about your business. Every successful business tells these three stories. Number one, the ultimate moment. In other words, 
Uh, that story talks about the moment that the person's buying your product. You, you want to talk about the product that you, uh, that you are selling to these people and, and you're thinking about as you're starting this business. You want to be successful and say, this is the product I want to sell. This is what people need. And so they're going to come to this store because they're going to buy what they need. This is going to supply need in their life. So he says that story number one. Story number two is the pot of gold is what he calls it. And this story envisions your company's success. He said, it's, it's going to, you know, how many stores are you going to have? How many employees are you going to have? And, and you got to be able to tell that story if you're going to go anywhere with your business. He said, the third story that every successful business tells is the steps. Uh, you, you're, you're going you're to talk about where you were. You're going to talk about how you got to be successful. What are the steps that you took that as you look back or as you look forward, you say, I got to do this so we can be successful. If you are a successful business, you look back and you say, these decisions that we made, these steps that we took made us successful. And the author was very interesting. He said, all successful businesses tell these three stories. This morning, in the plea that, that Paul makes to the Christians at Galatia, he says, listen, there, there's something about being an heir of God that should follow. There's at least three things that you ought to be able to tell and talk about as an heir of God uh, as, as that mature son in God, uh, there's something that you should be able to share about that. There's a difference that it ought to make. And so this morning, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about uh, the fact that uh, being heirs of God makes us and leads us to different kinds of decisions, a different kind of mindset. Uh, you, you find that uh, as, as Christians, we can easily fall into a mindset of religious practices instead of a genuine walk. And the Galatian Christians were falling into that mindset, okay? They're falling into the mindset of, let's just do what we've always done, this religious kind of mindset. And the Judaizers, these false teachers, were taking them down that path, and Paul is trying to stop them. So when he explains to them, you're a mature adult, it's kind of like what we do with, with kids, right? Um, Usually, uh, when they grow up, I mean, uh, right now I've got a, a, an eight-year-old, and, and sometimes I, I have to tell him, "Bub, you're eight, right?" Sometimes he wants to do what Gigi, his ten-month sister, is doing, ten-month-old sister is doing, and it's like, "No, no, 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 you're eight, okay? You 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 can walk for yourself. You can you can do some things for yourself. You don't need me to do that. Uh, that 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 is things that we do for babies, but you're no longer a baby. You're you're out of that stage, right?" Paul is saying, same thing, Galatians, okay? Christians, when you go back to a life of religion, you're going backwards. You're not moving forward in your Christian life. You're not acting like mature adults. So then what does acting like mature adults look like? What are some, some steps or things that, that really show that maturity in our life? Well, I want you to notice, first of all, what Paul pleads them to do as a result of being mature. He says, number one, you ought to remember. Mature adults, mature sons of God, remember certain things. And the first thing he says in verse number eight, he says, remember when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. He says, remember your, remember your past. If, you, if you're going to avoid falling into a religious kind of lifestyle, we have to remember uh, the life that we had in the past, where, where God brought us from. Now, every one of us has the same past to one extent. 
Every one of us has the same past. We are, we are all the same in that we started off with a nature to reject God and worship those things that are not God's, okay? That's what Paul reminds them of. We, we all can identify with that. We were all there. And you say, well, I grew up in a Christian home. I, I, didn't, I never worshiped any idols. No, no, uh, but your desire to do so is still in you. The old nature, okay, the sinful nature that we're born with wants to worship something. That's why you can go to any, uh, any kind of society, whether it's in the deepest, darkest jungles uh, where there's native tribes there, they're worshiping something. Or if you go to the most sophisticated cities and, and these of first world cities, uh, whether it be like New York or Tokyo, they're also wanting to worship something. It doesn't really matter where you are in society, what class of family you're in. We all have the tendency we want to worship something. And so Paul is saying, okay, remember before the gospel came into your life, you did certain things. You worshiped a certain way. There was, there was something that you longed to do. There was something that you longed uh, to follow after. Uh, in fact, this isn't something new just to the Christians in Galatia. Most of the Christians that Paul uh, was witnessing and reaching with the gospel came from a background like that. I put this in your notes, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, the, the Christians at Ephesus were very much the same way, and this is what he writes. He says, once you were dead, and this is from the New Living Translation, he says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, notice, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Paul is saying, look, if you just look at your past, you'll find this is where God brought us out of. Worshiping a life of sin, worshiping those gods that are not even gods, those false gods, those idols that can do nothing for you. Paul pleads with them, remember, this is where you were, you're coming from, out of idol worship. But when the gospel came to your life, you no longer were living that way. It transformed you and it changed you. He said, so remember your past, where God's brought you out of. And then secondly, remember your present and where it's taking you. He says in verse number nine, but now after that you have known God, okay, after you, or rather have been known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? The Galatians now, after the gospel had come in to their life at present, were now making their new faith something that mirrored the old way of worship by adding to it a bunch of religious do's and don'ts. That's what they were doing. So the gospel came, they understood the gospel, they realized, hey, to be made right with God isn't by my good works, it's only by the work of Christ on the cross. I accepted Christ as my Savior, but now... But now they gave it a little bit of time and suddenly they started falling back into the old way of life. They started to begin to add to this new faith in Christ a religious life like they had before. Now, you'll find that uh, even a Christian, 
right, even someone that has Christ in their heart as their personal Savior can fall into a religious life like those that don't know Christ as their personal Savior. So there are those that worship false gods that are stuck in a religious life. And then there are those that know Christ, that have eternal life, that are also stuck in a religious life. And Paul says, just be careful because the way that you're going is leading you into a life of frustration, of religious living, and just adding Jesus to your life, but still living religiously like those that don't. He said, be careful, be careful, remember, remember where you've come from, but also take note of where you're going, all right? Uh, in, 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 their, uh, in their days when they didn't know Christ, all right, they had religious festivals, religious days that they, that they honored the gods of Jupiter, the gods of Mercury, especially those in Galatia, that's who they worshiped, and they had their festivals and rituals that they did that. Now they know Christ, okay? Now these false teachers, the Judaizers come and they begin to teach them and tell them because it sounds very similar to their faith, to the Christian faith. And they start teaching them, well, yes, yes. I mean, uh, God, God will, will favor you. But if you want God to stay happy with you, if you want to grow and be mature and spiritual people, then you've got to obey these rules and regulations. And so that's why in verse number 10, he says, now you're observing seasons and years and times. Uh, he's saying all of this months uh, because that's what they're teaching you. That's what the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they're teaching you this. And he said, so basically all that's happened is instead of saying, hey, today's Jupiter day and we're going to worship Jupiter and, and we're going to worship uh, the God of Mercury. Now you're over here and saying, okay, it's God's day. Now we're going to do this festival and this celebration and, and that way God can favor us. Just like you did that for Jupiter so that you can have Jupiter's favor, now you're doing this so that you can have God's favor and both of them are wrong. Religiousness doesn't give you spiritual strength. It doesn't give you spiritual maturity. It doesn't give you favor with God. God's not happier because, oh, now... Now you're following this religious practice. That's why I say it every week. Listen, you can be here on a Sunday morning in church. You're not doing God a favor by doing that. You can help teach a class. You're not doing God a favor by doing that. God's not impressed with you going, wow, they came on Sunday morning. That's impressive. That's impressive. We don't impress God that way. Uh, you, you'll notice, and by the way, you can follow the life of Jesus and you'll find that the religious people never impressed him or amazed him. But you know who did impress and amaze him? People of faith. A centurion Roman soldier impressed him with his faith. He said, man, in all of Israel, I haven't found anyone with faith like his. So Paul is telling the church at Galatia, listen, they're leading you down a path that is basically the same where you were before you knew Christ. That's not the path of the gospel. That's not where the gospel will lead you. You're just exchanging one religion for another that calls itself with, oh, Jesus. He said, no, no. Those that are sons of God mature, remember. Remember what God brought you out of and remember uh, where you're at right now. Where is the present uh, taking you the way you're living is it causing you to grow or is it not 
before in their religious tradition, they just mindlessly give sacrifices and offerings. Paul is saying, all right, but when you sacrifice to God, you've got to be conscious of what you're doing. It's got to be something that's from your heart, not just something you're doing. In Acts chapter 14, this is actually a chapter that talks about what happened when he went to Galatia, and uh, we won't take time to read it right now because of time, but, but you see that they were, after uh, Paul did a miracle and made a, a paralytic man to walk, then they started calling him Jupiter. They started calling, I mean, they started calling Barnabas Jupiter. They called Paul Mercury. They wanted to worship them. You'll notice that they brought him oxen, and they brought garlands under the gates, and, and they wanted to have sacrifices for them. And Paul said, no, 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 no. He told them, well, you can't worship us. You, you need to worship Jesus. He is the one that has the power over all things. He is the one that gives power to do miracles. And, and he gave them the gospel. And there in chapter 14, you can see how they begin to change. How, how the gospel changed them. This letter to Galatians is written way after. And those same people that saw the power of God in the gospel are now leaving it behind. They're going backwards because they want to get into a religious kind of life, something that makes them feel good. By the way, religion makes us feel good about ourselves. When we're religious, doing religious good works, we kind of feel like we are somebody, like we're doing something great. That's why you can get it into your mind and into your heart. Hey, I am doing God a favor by being here at church. Man, hey, Pastor Jeremy's lucky that if I weren't here, he'd be preaching to nobody, just chairs. I mean, look how nice I am for him. And we can start thinking religion does that for us. And Paul said, look, the mature Christian doesn't, doesn't think that way. What they're going to remember is where God brought them out of. They're going to remember where they're going in this life. Now, as I said, today we tend to do the same thing. After walking in the faith for some time, we, we get into the routine sometimes of going to church, and reading our Bible, and having a little bit of time of prayer, and, you know, get into a small group. And by the way, all those things are good things. But if you're not careful, it becomes your new religion. And so now, instead of going to the Catholic church or going to the Mormon church or whatever church. We, we're not doing that no more, but we're kind of doing the same thing of just, we just exchange that service for this service. We exchange, oh, I used to give to that, but now I give to this. And Paul says, okay, be very careful. It's easy there to fall into this trap. And that's why, listen, you got to remember Remember this, this, this Christian walk, the, the gospel, the message of the gospel, it's more than just religious duties. It's, it's more than a list of do's and don'ts. It's more than that. Second thing he says that they do is follow. He says, I'm begging you. In verse number 12, the word beseech is beg. <laughs> he said, brothers, I beg you, be as I am. Now, Paul's not to, trying to toot his own horn when he says that statement. He's not, he's not like, hey, you should be like me, <laughs> okay? I'm somebody. I am spiritual. That's not what he's saying it as, okay? The reason he's sharing that statement, okay, because if he said it the way that we could take it, if, we, if he's saying, look at me, then he's going against everything he just said previous to that, okay? He's not saying, 
I'm a super spiritual man, follow me because I am so spiritual. What he's saying in this statement, be as I am, the reason he is saying that is because he's saying, Galatians, I was there. That life that you're trying to live by, hey, uh, I need God to, to have, you know, his favor in my life. I got to please him. If not, I'm going to get struck by lightning or, or something bad's going to happen. And, and I got to have this religious life so I can, I can be somebody in the Christian world. He said, I used to be there. And what I'm telling you is I found freedom in the gospel and I want you to find freedom like I did. I, I want you to get out of a system that doesn't work, that only leads to frustration and bring you into something of a walk, of a relationship that's so joyful, it's, it's crazy. Uh, so, so notice when he says follow, he's talking about, first of all, follow the freedom, freedom from the law. He said, I found I came out of Judaism. So Paul was very familiar because he came out of Judaism. He knows, he knows this is what they're teaching you. This is what they're telling you. And I'm here to tell you it doesn't satisfy and God doesn't work that way. Going to church, God doesn't love you more because you do and he doesn't love you less if you don't. God loves you because he loves you. God loves you with all the love that he has in his heart. God loves the world this way. You're saying, oh, Jeremy, are you saying that he, he loves that professor that comes on CNN and, and says he doesn't exist and curses and, 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 and teaches uh, uh, people to deny God? Does he love that man? He loves him just the same as he loves me. He loves him so much that he gave his son to die for him just like he gave his son to die for me. You say, well, what's the difference? The difference is I've put my faith in his son. And unless that professor puts his faith in the same Son of God, in, in Jesus Christ, then he will have the wrath of God upon him. So the difference isn't, well, I came to church and I know the Bible. That's not the difference. The difference is faith. Faith in the work of Christ. And Paul says, don't you see that what they're teaching you is leading you back into something that does not satisfy. They're teaching you something that isn't really who God is. So he says, follow the example of freedom. Uh, in, in, in the book of Philippians, I put this in your notes. Chapter 3, he, he tells the, the Christians at Philippi the same thing. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. He said, notice what he says. He says, circumcise the eighth day. That was part of the law. Okay, this is what the Galatians were being told. This is what you've got to do. Paul said, I've done that. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, he said, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I was so encaptivated by the teaching of the Judaizers that I began to persecute the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. In other words, whatever they said I had to do, I did. I followed all the do's and don'ts. Then he says, but the things that were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, right? Because the law is all about, this is how you be righteous. This is how you become righteous. Paul said, 
I did all that. I wasn't righteous. It's not of my own righteousness, which is a law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He's simply saying, look, there's a difference between a life of religion and checking a marked box. And if you're not careful, you can be saved on your way to heaven and still be a religious person. Checking a marked box. Sometimes having pride about what we know and what we do. Man, I know five chapters of the Bible. How many chapters do you know? He only knows three. I knew God loved me more. I knew I was more spiritual than him. And all you are is just living a list of do's and don'ts. God doesn't think that way. God doesn't act that way. Paul says you can have freedom from that. He said, we ought to follow that life that lives in freedom from any kind of just mindless religion of do's and don'ts. And then he says, follow my example, not only of freedom from the law, but also of persevering in that freedom. He said, I was there and I came out of that. I found freedom in Christ. He said, that life led to a life of bondage to whatever the law said. But you know, I I found freedom from that. I found freedom from the guilt of feeling like I'm not good enough for God. And by the way, religion will leave you that way. I've talked to many people that just say, I just don't think God would use me. I just don't think God can love someone like me. I just don't think I'm really good enough, really. Like you want me to be, you know, serving even as an usher, but but pastor, I don't think I'm good enough to be an usher. That just reveals that our mindset is, well, because I got to be at a certain level so God can use me, so God can love me, so God can do. And Paul said, no, 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 no. God loves you because of what Christ did. By your faith, you can serve. By your faith, God can use you and do something in your life. It's a life of faith, not, not a life of works. So he says, be an example, be, a, be as I am following the example of persevering in freedom. You know, Paul was not one that looked to keep the message of the gospel to himself, but to rather go and share it. When you get to verse number 13, and he's sharing with them, look at how passionate he is. This is what he's reminding them. He says, Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. If you read in in chapter 14, you'll find that Iconium, Lystra, this is all the churches that were in Galatia, um, they stoned him to death. False teachers came up, maybe it was these same false teachers or others, but they came, they got the people against Paul of the city, and they stoned him. And you know what the Bible says? That he got up and continued preaching. And Paul is just telling the Christians at Galatia, listen, what I found in the freedom of the gospel message is what keeps me going for Christ. It's not the recognition of my works that keeps me going. It's not what the Pharisees and the rabbis and those that are in, you know, in the law, it's not what keeps me going. It's the gospel that keeps me going. And I'm not telling you something that you've never seen me do. He said, I went to your city. And in fact, you, you remember, you remember what happened to me. You know, the infirmities, I mean, the, the, the beatings I took for the gospel, but I persevered because I had to follow. 
follow what the gospel message is. You see, the gospel message is Jesus dying on the cross for my sin and paying that payment, but it also is, hey, now take that to the next person. The commandment is to take the gospel message to others. And Paul said, I did that. I did that for you. I had this mindset that I had to go and whether that was going to make me suffer or not, whether I was going to have sicknesses or not, I was moving forward. I was following what the gospel teaches me to do. We see this all over, by the way, Paul's ministry. That's why I put in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, 4, and 5. In the city of Corinth, he did the same thing. You see in the city of Philippi, he did the same thing. In the city of Thessalonica, he did the same thing. And he's simply saying, listen, mature Christians, remember. Remember what God brought you out of? And see where your faith is leading you. Is it faith that's leading you or religion that's leading you? Number two, follow. Follow the example that I'm giving you. An example of what it means to be free from that kind of system. The example of persevering through the gospel. And then number three, rejoice. When you get down to verse number 15, he says, where is then the blessedness ye spake of? This is a rhetorical question. In other words, he's saying, where's the love that you had for me? I mean, notice the passion in his words. Like, guys, you, you used to not treat me that way. You used to not even think of me this way. What happened? By the way, religion will always take you to break up some, some people that are helping you, those relationships. Sadly, those stuck in a religious system don't have the joy that those that are not stuck in that do. They don't have the peace that the gospel can give. Because with a, a life without faith is impossible to please God. And when you're living by rules and regulations, you find out you're not good enough. And Paul's telling the Galatians, aren't you feeling that? You know, when I came, you guys already had religion. It wasn't the Judaism, but you had the religion of Jupiter and Mercury. And he says, so why are you going back to that model? You're just swapping out one religion for another. Can I tell you the gospel's not that? You know, we live in a world that wants to lump everything together. They say, we're all on the path to God. Can I say that that is not true? The Buddhist is not on a path to God. The Muslim is not on a path to God. The Mormon is not on a path to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to God. So Paul is reminding them of that fact. No, 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 this is not all the same thing, but what you're doing is trying to make it all the same thing. He said, so I'm going to plead with you and beg don't let religion take away your joy because it's starting to do that. Instead, he says, rejoice the way you did when you first heeded the truth. When the gospel came into your life, he said there was, a, there was this new joy that was really hard to explain. 
but you felt it. You experienced it. You knew it. He said, you had this joy, and, and it was just, it was overflowing in your life, and now you're becoming very religious, and that joy is starting to leave. And you're starting to feel like, you know, this Christianity is a lot like Buddhism. It's a lot like, like it's all the same. And Paul said, but it's not all the same. Religion will start sapping the joy out of your life. But a relationship with Christ, when we have the gospel working in our life, it's an ever-flowing river of joy. He said, I remember. I remember when I first gave you all the gospel message. He said, I was so beat up. I was going through things. Some scholars believe maybe he had malaria at that time. Others believe that maybe he had a disease that was affecting his eyes. Others uh, believe that, that maybe it was something that uh, from the beatings that he had taken. I don't know, but Paul simply says, he doesn't detail. He just says, I was in such bad shape. There was other people that were rejecting me just by looking at me. They're like, I don't know about that guy. He said, but y'all didn't. The message reached your, your heart and you know what? You started thinking of me of the needs that I had, how you could serve me and be a blessing to me, how you could love me. And there was a joy for me. There was a joy for me to see you in that state. And there was a joy that you had that was inexplicable and a love that you had for me that no one else had because the gospel transformed you. He said, but now you're looking at me like I'm your enemy. What happened? He said, don't you see that going back into that religion, you're going backwards instead of forward. You're not acting like mature Christians, like sons of God. You're, you're acting like little children going back to things that will never satisfy. And it's sapping your joy. He said, and you need to rejoice. The gospel is all about joy. Rejoicing the way you did when you first heeded the truth and secondly, the way you did when you first heard the truth. Once you get to verse 16, he says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So the first time I gave you the gospel message, it was the truth that changed your life. Now I'm giving you more truth and you act like I'm, I'm here to hurt you or harm you. Like I'm out to ruin your marriage or your family or your kids. Don't you see? I'm trying to save you from a life of frustration because that's what religion does. He says... The gospel is supposed to give you joy. But the only way you can rejoice in that is when you receive it the way you did the first time, when you heard that truth. <laughs> the view of the Judaizers was to teach that God wants us to live under a set of rules to be happy with us. The view of Paul was giving that God is already happy with us and that if we live by faith, God has made us right with God. See, when they lived by faith, the joy they had towards Paul and others was seen and heard. But when they stopped living that way, there was no more evidence of that. So, I'd say this, just to kind of connect it to nowadays and to us as a church. The more that we allow the gospel message to penetrate all of our being, 
like the way we think, the way we treat people, the more that the gospel sets in to our minds, the greater love we'll have for one another. And this church won't be suffering from gossip. Won't be suffering at the hands of hate. Won't be suffering at the hands of rejection, but rather of one of acceptance. Of one supplying the needs of others. Paul said, when I gave you the message and you heeded that message, your focus was others, not you. When you heard that message, it transformed your joy and you threw away that system of worshiping Jupiter and Mercury because it was so frustrating and not satisfying, not giving you peace, but the gospel did that. And now if you go to the other side and make of Christianity and the gospel just another religious system, you're going to fall right back into where you were before. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. You can rejoice. You can, you can have joy in your life if you're living by faith. So this morning, we must be growing in our Christian life and avoid jumping into a religious lifestyle that only brings destructive behaviors and attitudes. And how do we do that? Paul pleaded with the Galatians and he pleads with us this morning. Remember where God brought you out of, where your faith's taking you. Follow Follow the example of the freedom that we have in the gospel. The freedom that's contrary to the law. And then he says, rejoice. Rejoice in hearing that message and rejoice in heeding that message. Let it flow through you and work through you. You know, when, when someone else in church does you a wrong, if you start thinking about the fact that you did the same thing to Jesus and he forgave you, it'll be easy to forgive them. Easy in the sense of this, not because it's like, okay, then that really didn't hurt me. No, 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 it still hurts. Right? Somebody talks bad about you, it hurts. Forgiveness isn't about, okay, now I don't have an emotional feeling of what happened. No, we always will. But it's choosing in spite of that feeling to love the other person. And that's what the gospel does. It helps you to love in spite of what someone did to you. So everything goes through that lens of the gospel. Forgiveness. Acceptance. Helping. Talking with someone. All through the lens of the gospel. That's what Paul wanted them to understand. And listen, that's what we need to understand as a church. Look, I, I'm so thankful that you're here on a Sunday morning. But I'm not, I, I hope you're not here just because you think, if I'm at church, my week's going to be a good week. It may not be. I, I hope you're not here saying, man, I've got to read my Bible because if not, I mean, I'm just going to be a spiritual, you know, nobody. No. No, I, ho I hope you're reading your Bible by faith. Saying, saying God, what is it that I need to learn? What is it I need to know? Because I'm a mature son of God. I, I need to make decisions. That's what an heir does. He makes decisions for the household. I, I got to do that. God, help me. And, and suddenly, you know what? Nobody's got to be on you. 
Hey, did you, did you read your Bible? No one's got to be on you. It's kind of like, well, God's teaching me. I'm growing. It's awesome. The message of the gospel. Paul's passionate plea. Remember, follow, and rejoice. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much this morning for the truth that Paul shares with us and with those there in Galatia, Father, of truly what effect the gospel message should have. If we are going to be mature sons of God, these adult heirs of the riches of your grace, that, Father, it ought to lead us Father, to remember where we were before and, and to thank you and glorify you for what you've brought us out of and hopefully prevent us from going back into that same kind of mindset. I pray that we would follow your truth as Paul encouraged them. Follow the freedom that is found in the gospel and the freedom from a religious life that only brings frustration and destruction. I mean, oh, Father, that we would, that we would allow that, that message to just penetrate every area of our life. And then, Father, help us to rejoice. Help us not to view those that are living in a way that pleases you. To, help us not to be angry at it or to be jealous of it or oh so many things that comes with religion father help us to avoid those things and help us to rejoice that the gospel has changed us help us not to hate those that want to help us help us to have an attitude of love and forgiveness and a life that reflects the message of the gospel. Be with us as we, as we do this, I ask, throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.